Folks, we're going to kick it off with my buddy Corey at Dead Nuts Outdoors. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your humble host, coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho, where the snow is melting and the sun is shining, so I couldn't be happier about that. Um, really appreciate you guys tuning in. I was going to announce what episode number this is, and I don't remember, <laughs> so I think it's like 105. Um, apparently, that's important to some folks. So, guys, uh, I appreciate you joining me. And uh, you're going to like this episode because I've got somebody that I met a few weeks back um, at uh, one of the sporting event shows here locally. Well, it's over in Spokane. Um, and I'm going to bring him on and introduce him in just a minute. But I wanted to take just a sec to announce that we are doing a turkey call giveaway. This is going to include some mouth reads and a uh, wood, or I'm sorry, a box call. <laughs> I almost called it a wood call. <laughs> Uh, apparently, uh, I'm not thinking straight tonight, but that we're going to do like a, a, a Phelps game calls, uh, box call giveaway with some, with some reads and stuff. So, uh, stay tuned for that because all I'm waiting on, in fact, we were supposed to do it by now because Turkey season is either open in your state or it's going to be very, very soon. Uh, youth hunt opens for us, uh, this coming Friday. So I've got my, uh, my girls all outfitted. I'm going to take them out. We're going to, we're going to whack some turkeys. But uh, the, I, I want to get you guys outfitted if we can. So I, I'm not totally sure how we're going to do this, but we are waiting for Phelps to make the delivery as we speak. So I'm hoping the stuff shows up this week. And once it does, uh, I'm going to announce what the what the giveaway is, and it's going to be a pretty cool giveaway. So on the line this week, I've got Corey Daniels, who is the founder of Dead Nuts Outdoors, and this is a Target company. Uh, over in Western Washington, and we are going to have a really good conversation about all things hunting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about these uh, these targets that are super cool. Uh, we're going to talk about you know maybe some side hustle stuff, whatever, whatever we come up with. We're just going to go down a bunch of rabbit holes. So Corey, I appreciate you coming on and joining me for an episode. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited about this, man. We we met. Uh, it was the Bighorn Show. You had a booth over there, yeah. um, and that was that was the first time we met in person. We talked a couple times online or whatever, but um, give us a sense of uh, how, where you grew up, man. Tell us a little bit about you, and we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, so yeah, I grew up uh, I grew up in Bend, Oregon, and uh, had a great life growing up uh, with my mom, my sister. We uh, we lived behind the baseball stadium. Huge baseball guy, and. Uh, when I was 13 years old, we moved on, spent the rest of my years in the Willamette Valley in Oregon, uh, South Albany graduate, Blue Rebels. 
Uh, nice. We get their name anymore, but rebels aren't allowed. At uh, anyway, there's something. <laughs> there's some new name now. <clears throat> they, but, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. They they switched the name from Little Rebels to something else. I think we we were the South Albany Rebels when I was there, but I don't think the word rebels allowed in this world anymore. But that's Good probably Lord. a different conversation. Anyway. Good Lord. Yeah, let's just so, uh, push on that one. Yeah, we better move. That's a that's a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I uh, moved to Washington State um, in '98. Uh, met my wife, and uh, uh, we live out in Montecino, Washington, uh, and uh, I've been out here for 22 years. It's been an awesome, awesome run in Washington State. Um, not necessarily from a sportsman's perspective, but uh, from all the perspectives in life, and, and uh, that's where we are now. So. And, uh, and you started you started Dead Nuts Outdoors, and and I've got to yeah. I've got to give you full disclosure, man. Um, I've got this target, and I haven't taken it out of the box yet. And the reason is because I uh, just like in the last week have been starting to see the ground on my property here. Uh, the <laughs> snow's finally melting, and I've got I've got it set my little target area that I have. Um, I'm going to set this thing up and start using it like this week. And so tell us a little bit about Dead Nuts Outdoors, where the idea came from. Um, and because I'm, I'm really interested in these targets. I have, I have, I'm, I, I'm, I kind of geek out when it comes to targets. I, I like buying different targets. My wife, when she first saw it, I pulled the box out and I thought she was going to kill me um, because I, I get a lot of targets. I like targets. Um, so. Tell us a little bit about Dead Nuts Outdoors. I, in fact, I'm, I'm wearing your hat right now. I'm wearing the Dead Nuts hat. Yeah, I'm sure you look awesome. I do. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Dead Nuts, uh, I flew home from Las Vegas. I was at the Con Expo, and this thing called COVID broke out. And I ended up sitting at my desk in my home office for 75 to 90 days per the company that I work for. And, and uh, I work for the greatest company in the world. And my sons and I, I have four boys, and we're all avid hunters. And we just said, you know what? Um, let's let's make a target. Let's you've, let's let's start shooting reality. Wait, Corey, you've got four boys. Four boys. How old are they? Four boys. Uh, I've got a thirty-year-old, twenty, seventeen, and fourteen. Oh shit, so. man! I'd hate and a granddaughter. See, I'd hate to see yeah. your grocery bill. It's uh, yeah, raise your own beef, people. Get it, get it done. It, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> so you so, guys, you guys were, were talking and you're like, you know what, let's start a car, uh, like a target company. Let's build a target. And what uh, was the initial thought just to build a target for you guys? Or was the thought to yeah, come up with yeah. a target company? Yeah. So my wife and I own a couple of businesses and, and one of them is uh, uh, a printing company. And we were able to print one and I cut it out by hand and we just shot it ourselves. We created it for ourselves. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, I, then I made one for a buddy and then I made one for another buddy and I'm like, well, gosh, but, uh, it's evolved over time. It was something we didn't want to release to the public because we weren't interested in it being a business. We were just making some cool targets to hang out with and adhere so we could work on uh, different scenarios and practicing, uh, shot angles and, and, and the way the animal presents itself, uh, depending on the species. Mm-hmm. And then it started to gain some traction and more people said, Hey, could you make us one? And we're like, well, gosh, what do we got here? So we started to look into it a little bit deeper and um, came up with some kill zones and came up with some uh, abilities to package it. And like, Oh my gosh, we've got something here. So we decided to to put it out to market about a year ago. Um, and the demand on the East coast, we did one Facebook ad. That's it. We, we weren't, we weren't trying to get too crazy. 
and it uh, it produced more than we could produce. So we pulled it down. We we're gosh, oh, wow. we need to, That's we a need good to hang problem, out for man. a minute. Yeah, it was uh, it was shocking. So we were we were we were determining, gosh, what is this? We don't we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So we pulled it down for a while until we could produce. Um, and this year we went ahead and decided to launch it uh, more publicly. We've we've attended several of the sportsman shows out here on the West Coast and have done more ads and and it's really got a good reception. And so we're uh, we're more concerned about it being an educational opportunity for everybody, whether it be youth or adults, um, than we are about you know uh, its success. I know that sounds weird, but no, yeah, we really want it to be cool. We really want it to be cool. We really want you to be able to use it for something that can help you become a better, more humane hunter. Well, I'll tell you. The here's the thing, like I didn't when when we first started talking, I'll be honest, as as much as I told you I geeked out with targets, I didn't really know what a 2D target was. Right. Um, And so that's why I was interested in in what what I'm looking at is in and you guys listening. This isn't like some big, long running ad of Dead Nuts Outdoors targets the whole the whole episode. But um, I, I think I think it's a cool product that needs a little bit of recognition. Oh, and. I found out right before we started recording here that I'm I'm popping Corey's cherry with this whole uh, <laughs> podcast thing. This is your first podcast, huh? First one, yes, sir. Well, I'm honored, dude. I'm on. I I I I feel like if this is a good platform for you to kind of get your toes wet, and then you can get on some actual real professional type kind of podcasts. Oh, <laughs> and so and get, whatever. Your, get your name out there, dude. <laughs> so, but uh, what, what I was saying is what, what I really like about these targets is a, so I have the bull elk and it's this massive target that is like lifelike. Right. And um, I can put this in multiple different angles, like in the brush in my on my property. Like anybody that's got, whether you've got a half acre or, or uh, multiple acres, or you take it out into you know in the national forest somewhere or on some BLM land, you could set up different scenarios with this target, kind of like a 3D target, um, and and practice these different these different angles. And it, it's just a it, it, the fact that it's made in the USA is a big deal. But uh, I'm excited to bust this thing out, and I'm going to take some footage and take some pictures and send them over to you when I'm done. That'll be great. Thank you. Look forward to that. So what what do you see as, like, I don't know if you want to call it problem to solve that the industry was missing with a target like this, or uh, what, what differentiates this kind of target in terms of the educational aspect for, for new bow hunters? Yeah, so uh, again, with having four boys, uh, I wanted to make sure my boys understood bone structure. I want them to understand uh, that when an animal presents itself, um, the scenarios are totally different if you're having a collar behind you at 50 to 100 yards versus solo hunting. And and 2D allows us to put, and we don't ever say life size, we say lifelike, because there's going to be someone out yeah. there that's going to bitch about life size, right? So on a bull elk, like the one that I believe you have, Jim, is, is a broadside bull. And he's going to be 29 inches to 34 inches from the from the hump to the bottom of the chest, depending on how large the animal is. Mm-hmm. And we try to create, you know, somewhere in between there, lifelike. And every one of our animals, regardless of species, will be within that lifelike range. Well, And so, go ahead, sorry. No, and here's the thing. I didn't mean to cut you off there, man. But here's the thing with that is... The size that it is, it makes it very realistic without going to 
like extreme links and, and and which would create more extreme expenses for the actual target. And so what I'm what I'm driving at is if you could hit the um, the pump house in this target, this this broadside bull elk, you're going to hit the pump house on a life size bull elk. Right. And it's the same concept. You you talked you, you liked baseball. When I was in Little League, I had this coach. He made us practice um, with softballs for baseball. And the reason yeah. is, is the softball was a lot harder to throw and a lot harder to manage. Or I can't remember how he explained it, but all I know is when I went, when we, we would practice with these softballs and all of a sudden they'd throw the, the, the actual hardball baseball in the mix, we were better. We were catching better. We were throwing better. We were hitting better. All these things that kind of, that, that took place there. Um, and that could work both ways, by the way, in baseball. If you guys are like softball players, practice with heart, uh, baseballs and vice versa. Anyway, um, point being, I'm no baseball expert, dude. Um, <laughs> anyway, the point being is is it's it's like – here's another way to put it. I like to shoot coyotes with my deer rifle, and it's made me a much better – deer hunter because if you can hit a coyote especially one that's on the move and i've hit a shitload of them um you can hit a deer right and so that's the concept that i like with this target is is you're right i i might have said it's it's life size or whatever but it is pretty big i mean it's a big bull elk target right it's not it's not just some little um painting well i won't go there uh it's it's uh it's a perfect size to practice on, and if you can get lethal with that, you're going to be lethal in the woods. So, anyway, that was a long way after I cut you off there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, it, it is. It's one of those things where um, and the, the bullet you that you have is the one we started with, and we cut it out by hand. Uh, we weren't really sure what we were getting into when we started it. Again, it was it was more just for us to practice on finding the V. You know, the the slot of where the where the leg bends in before the clavicle, mm-hmm. so you hit the heart. And and putting my kids and myself, and more so myself, in scenarios to where when the when the opportunity presented itself, I've seen that shot a thousand times already before it gets there. Uh, I've never been in the woods where I could see a dot, or yeah. I've never been in the woods where where you know where that bull was saying, "Hit me here." You know, it was it was a scenario where um, I know exactly where I need to be because I've put in the time and the practice on that spot. And the, the, the advantage to 2D, uh, and I'm not trying to just sell everybody on it, was it, it was it was about cost effectiveness versus a 3D and the different animals and scenarios uh, between courting away and frontal and broadside mm-hmm. scenarios that I could present that were more cost effective in kind of this inflationary world where everything's getting out of hand. Dude, the and, 3D targets are super out of hand right now price wise. And, yeah, and I'm not, and it's, I, I'm not throwing yeah. shade at them I, I, because I love 3D targets, you know, but holy shit, they're expensive. And so that's, yeah, I mean, you can get two of these for the price of one 3D target, right? And yeah, we've we, we literally angles. had guys, yeah, we literally had guys come into our booths at the sportsman shows and buy one of everything uh, mm-hmm. because it was less money than a cost of one 3D uh, elk target. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is great. And, and the other, so as, as we've evolved over the last year and, and we're open to any, any, anybody that wants to be constructive with us, please, gosh, dang, let us know. We're, we're here to make something that's cool for everybody to use, something that's cost effective, but we, these now can adhere to any, any backstop you have, whether it be a bag, a block, a bale, whatever. We want that to, 
um, we want you guys to be able to use it in any scenario. Yeah. So yeah. the targets as they've evolved, we we try to use this high def, as high res, because the image that you're shooting is a, is is a is a lifelike image. It's not foam, and so you're getting a real look at a real animal. And and no, we didn't pick raghorns, and we didn't pick you know youngster bucks. They are cool looking. Yeah. That, so that mule deer, yeah, dude. I I really debated over this bull elk versus that mule deer one you have, because that thing is a freaking tank. <laughs> yeah, he looks cool. Yeah, um, way cool for sure. And, and, and we do that uh, obviously for, for for obvious reasons. We're not interested in shooting rags anyway. But anyway, sure. the the whole the whole preface was to uh, I think our tagline and one of our taglines is perfect practice, perfect results. And mm-hmm. so that's what we're looking to do. We're trying to create a better way uh, and more scenarios for everybody to get better at, at our craft. That's it. So how how has the reception been like when you we uh, like for example when I saw you at the the Bighorn show there, um which man I I don't know if that was your first Bighorn show those they're usually a lot better that that was like small compared to what they usually are, uh, and I think it's because it's like the first year coming out of COVID whatever you know, uh, getting things getting back to normal or whatever but anyway, um. How how was the reception somewhere like that where people are coming in and and were you able to sell a bunch were you able to move a bunch of you know product what how did that go? Yeah, it went really well. Um, you know uh, the reception's been great. Um, there's a lot of people that come up and and love the idea. Uh, you know that have ordered after the shows. We we typically uh, send a flyer out at each show. If you if you don't want to take it with you at the show, you can order online for two weeks afterwards at the show price, and then we ask you to enter discount codes so we can see where where we met you. Um, it's gone really well. Um, the the Bighorn show we worked with one of our dealers as we begin exploring the the dealer um, option or opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know that we're learning again. We're we're an infant in this industry. Uh, we're learning a lot about the industry. But um, uh, we're trying to figure out if, if the dealer route is the, wa- is the way to go or if it's direct to consumer is the way to go. And I think a blend is probably the, the way it will be. Um, sure. So we were with the dealer at that particular show. It went really well. I, I was excited about the people we met. Uh, there was not a tremendous amount of people. Uh, Saturday was crazy. It didn't help that Gonzaga was playing March Madness. I know. On two yeah, of the days, seriously, but, man. Seriously, uh, it was dead in there when I was. Of course, I came in early. Um, but yeah, it was, so back in the day, the Bighorn show was, was like a big deal, man. I mean, it was packed wall to wall. You could barely move, you know, and, and, and there was a lot of great companies in there and a lot of great booths this year. I noticed there was a lot of, um, like non hunting related booths in there. There was a few of those. Uh, and, and some of the, you know, it was just, it was just an odd show. I'm, I'm thinking that that is just like a stepping stone to what is to come in the future. And the point is, is I, I don't want you to be like, man, we're never going back to that bighorn show over in Spokane because it sucked, <laughs> but you know, I don't think that's the case. I think, okay, um, good. those are perfect shows for us in our infancy for sure. Uh, the week before I was in Redmond, Oregon and Redmond, Oregon happened to be the best show we've had all year long. And, really? um, yeah, we met a lot, so many great people. And, and what I love about these sportsman shows is I used to attend them and now being a vendor at them, being on the other side of the desk is, is completely different. Yeah, and yeah. the stories, uh, people are more apt to share their stories with you, obviously, because you're a vendor now. They want to tell you all about their experiences. And 
Mm-hmm. And I want to be an ear. Absolutely. I mean, you learn so much from everybody else, but you do. Yeah. But more, sure. more importantly, it's, it's being around and surrounding yourself with people of like mind. that just brings joy to the industry. I love it. And I, so I, yeah, it's the best. I do too. I, I love that part of it. And I'm not a big show guy. I don't go to a lot of them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, usually the local ones I'll, I'll go to just because that's what it is. There's a bunch of like-minded people there that like to share stories and share tips and share, you know, you can learn a lot. Um, I learned a lot. I, you know, next to your booth, uh, Rocky Jacobson was standing there <laughs> and that dude, never, yeah, he can call a little, yeah, dude, that dude never ages. Uh, I talked to him 10, 15 years ago. He looked identical to what he'd looked like uh, the other day when I saw him. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. It's it's a cool dynamic. And, and uh, like, what about you, though, Corey? Like, give us an idea of what your hunting background is like, uh, what, what you like to go after a little bit. It's evolved uh, significantly. So I grew up in Oregon, uh, just a just a blacktail hunter, right? Uh, down in the Willamette Valley, trying to get blacktail bucks, which, you know, has changed significantly. Uh, and it was just a deer hunter that I was 30 years old. When I turned 30, uh, when I moved to Washington, I, I got very, um, oh, how do I say this, uh, PC? I'll just keep it this way. Excited, excited about Roosevelt elk. Uh, Roosevelt's just crank me up, man. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't be more excited about anything other than killing a Roosevelt, uh, coastal Roosevelt's to be specific. God, that would be cool, man. They that are cool. an awesome animal. And I used to guide people. Uh, I would guide archery hunters and I would call in bulls and get, you know, opportunities with these big bulls. And I'd be, gosh, dang it. Why am I not doing this for myself? I mean, <laughs> I was still rifle hunting at the time. But I could call a little bit, and and back in the day, I used Berry game calls, and they were outstanding. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And I, I've used the Berry game calls, man. Hell yeah. That are great. And 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 before the the his addition of 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 Phelps's new training wheels call back in the day uh, was all I used for bugles, and then learning how to, you know, cow call with Primos and whatever. Yeah. And, and I and and living where I lived at the time, um, I lived up in Quinault, so I'd hunt that Clearwater area forever. And you know, you get in you get in some big bulls up there, and and you get into a lot of excitement. And and if you leave after the season, you go learn about herd um, uh, behavior. And you know, so not during the season, but after the season was when the real rut would actually begin. What, and what you, do you you'll mean? learn herd behavior and have fun. What do you mean by that? Like after archery season or after all of hunting season? Yeah. So after archery season, so some of the units in Washington state will open for, for muzzleloader, but, but most of them do not after archery season. And so what I would do is I'd go out and, and go into the areas that were not open for muzzleloader and just go call and get close to elk and, and, and go learn about their behaviors and, and what they reacted to, what they didn't react to and, and just learn about elk in general again, I was 30 years old. I was just, I was just getting into elk hunting and I, I wanted to learn about what these things do and, and how they react to pressure. Where do they go? Um, you know, how does, how does the bull react when his cows take off? Does he circle them up? What's, what are they doing so that I could get better, you know, as, as years progressed, uh, when I bump them later in life. Do you have a, uh, takeaway from that? Like learning the behavior and, and kind of watching them, you know, post season, is there is there like a key takeaway or or something you can offer um, that 
kind of struck you as like, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't not realize they did this, or I didn't know they did that, and and uh, something that would would be helpful for other Roosevelt hunters. I well, uh, that'll be a different question. So uh, I'll stick with the first one. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, so, so for me, I mean, I, again, every experience is different, but I think the longer you hang with a specific herd, I think, I think. I think that every herd and every cow and every bull have a different personality, just like your stinking cows you have in your field or the stinking horses you have in your field. It doesn't matter the Mm -hmm. animal. Uh, They're going to have personality. And, you know, depending on the personality of the lead cow or depending on the personality of the lead bull or of the herd bull um, is going to dictate scenario. In a dominant scenario where the herd bull is just running the show, Um, you know, obviously if you blow them out of there, whether the wind blows them out or whether you blow them out by being stupid, you know, over calling or, or getting in too tight or whatever, the cows will bail. They're going to blow out, but they always stop. They they don't run for miles. They're going to stop and they're going to wait for their leader, which is that herd bull in most cases that Mm -hmm. I've found. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've always typically, when I, when I've learned their behaviors a little bit and spent enough time with them especially with the lead cow. Um, cause typically the way I hunt, the, my, my, my style has always been uh, not worry about the bull that's in the area, worry about the lead cow. Yeah. And if, if yeah. you can, if you can be with her and you understand her and her behaviors, uh, you're going to kill the bull or you're going to get within, um, within an opportunity of killing that bull because you know exactly what she's going to do when pushed. You'll know exactly what she's going to do when she gets your wind. Um, you'll know what she's going to do when she's just threatened in any which way, shape or form. And, and you can beat him to the point sometimes. Um, I will tell you that I have screwed up several hunts with that mentality as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, well, I mean, for, sometimes sure. it works really well too. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's no such thing as being a hunter without screwing stuff up. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, oh, it's part of the, part of the gig. Um, how much time have you spent hunting Rocky mountain elk? Uh, more so since I started hunting Oregon and, uh, Montana, uh, Montana has been more with a rifle, uh, Oregon with a bow. So how, I guess the question would be like, how does that, what you learned, you know, about the herd bull or I'm sorry. Well, no, that, yeah, let's keep that in there. The herd bull and the lead cow. Um, like how does that translate to Rocky mountain elk? Do you, do you see similarities or are there like vast differences? I'm always curious about this and I ask everybody. Man, um, what I'll say is, as the Rocky Mountain bulls like to talk, they 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 like to yell back at you. Uh-huh. Um, it's not that they're not aggressive, but they love to let you know that they are there. And and versus the the Rosies that are like, I'm here, come get me. Um, the Rockies are more, I'm here, I'm coming to get you. From gotcha. what I've seen so far, and so the the Rosies, you can call them in. But, but typically a big mature bull, if, if you're hunting mature bulls and, and no offense to those that don't, you know, they're going to kill any bull. Every bull's a trophy with a bow. Yep. But yep. if you're hunting mature bulls, if you're shooting 300 inch Roosevelt's, if that's, if that's your goal in mind, they don't leave their cows very often. Uh, in fact, most scenarios are going to be, you're going to call, locate, go in quiet and then try to piss them off inside a hundred yards and see if you can start a fight. Uh, where, where Rockies, in my opinion, have been, um, in my experience of, of 18 years is all, 
um, have been more so that they are they're easily agitated compared to a Rosie, uh, where they will be more like they will come uh, come to just check you out at a curiosity or or a willingness to fight compared to a Rosie. Rosie are going to take their cows. If you get too aggressive with a Rosie, they're going to bail. Yeah. Now the 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 satellites that are in the area, they're they're looking for one cow. They could care less. They're going to come. Um, but if you're trying to shoot those mature 300 inch Roosevelts, typically you got to get in their kitchen, um, and and they still aren't very committal to it. That they, they will continue to to scream back at you, but not really want to fight. But mm. once they commit, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Yes, sir. <laughs> I heard it's the best on. moment. So that um, I, I and and that makes sense. I, I've never hunted a Rosie. What are you pouring there? I hear that. Wait, is that that is that that water. sweet whatever you were no, talking water. Yes, oh sir. that's a water yes it is yeah no no sir that's Damn. diet pepsi diet. over ice gotcha 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 um yeah what was i going to ask you we were right in the middle of some like some some deep shit there man <laughs> some roosevelt's yeah, I so I want to hunt a Roosevelt at some point. I, I'm I'm really interested because I, I I always find it fascinating, like the difference between how Roosevelts behave versus a Rocky Mountain elk, and you know similarly like a a whitetail behaving or their behavior, uh, you know when you compare that against like a mule deer uh, or even a blacktail, and it's it's just that that's always something that's for some reason I've I've always been fascinated with. And, and the differences, because, you know, you think about it, the, these things are just, they're all ungulates, right? They're all just these animals. Yep. And these nuanced behavioral things that change from one region to another based on a, a subspecies of a species is is super interesting. I don't know how else to put that. It's super interesting. And I'd love, I'd love to get a crack at a Roosevelt one day. So you're, and you're friends with, uh, you're friends with uh, Tony Wintrip. Tony Wintrip. Yeah, talk about a legendary hunter, man. That guy's awesome. Dude, yeah, he's a killer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a killer. He's a killer. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys. Uh, Tony and I have never hunted together. We talk, I don't know, once or twice a month. Uh, and again, we've never hunted together. But but he's one of those guys that, you know, at the start of every season, I don't believe there's a lot of hunters out there that aren't alpha males. We're all alphas and we're competitive guys or you won't be out there. Sure. And And Tony's one of those guys, and I've told him this several times. He's one of those guys that uh, you call him at the start of the season. And he's 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 the measuring stick. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that you know he's going to perform, and you're excited for him, and you want to perform right along with him because he's he's uh yeah he's really good at what he does. And then he's he's going to sing to him. And then he'll sing to him. Yes, he's yeah. a stud. And the elk singer <laughs> himself. I need Check to him, him out. Tony Wintrip, elk singer. Go I, get him. I need to get him back on the show, man. Uh, Tony's yeah, a great dude. Great guy. Yeah, I'd love to great get him dude. back on the show. Um, I get, he's got, one of his songs gets stuck in my head for days. And uh, <laughs> to, to the point where I like, like no offense to Tony, but I've it's been in my head for so long. I got to listen to something else just to get it out of my head. But that's the sign of a good song. And and like you were a mu- musician, and and you keep threatening to maybe play a show with Tony at some point, huh? Yeah, Tony and I've done a couple things together over the years. Um, uh, typically, it's been to to raise money for. Um, uh, like in our area, we have a, a, a large homeless teens organization here that, that needs financial help. 
Mm-hmm. So Tony and I will play a, a benefit event. Every, well, we used to play it every year until COVID hit. Um, right around uh, St. Patrick's Day. It's called the Shamrock Shaker. We, we try to do that and raise, you know, twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year for for homeless kids. Oh, that's cool. Um, but we haven't done that in a couple of years. Uh, hopefully, you know, as as the world looks like it may return to some shape of normal, we we'll get a chance to do that again. Do you feel like COVID has permanently changed the scope of societal norms? Um. I know that's a tough question, but like, do you do you feel like things will ever go back to normal? It depends on if Fauci dies. That's like a hundred years old. Die, He's got to at some point die. You but, know, um, I don't know. I, it feels it feels really good right now. I can tell you that. I, I, I know why, that. Why do you see you're that? You're seeing is... country music festivals uh, starting to take off. Uh-huh. Um, you're, you're seeing a lot of concerts. You're Shoot, I had a meeting today with a bunch of people in the same room with no mask. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was a high five event, and um, you know, I, I really feel like uh, you know, as as a society, we are all starting to adjust. We've all also started to adjust to those that feel like you need to wear a mask, and and it doesn't feel like anybody's judging that individual anymore. They're like, you do your thing, we'll do ours, and and I think the world will evolve to that. Um, I feel like I'm excited about uh, moving forward, though. That's for sure. I'm, I'm yeah. sick of this stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I am too. Um, I, I just, it's, it's hard. Like, I, one of the reasons I'm asking is, I, I told you before we hit record here that I'm flying to. Well, I got to fly into Portland, but then I'm going up to Vancouver to look at a, a roof at the Clark College over there in, in Vancouver. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, but the, the, the thing is, is you know, in Idaho where where I live, things have been kind of back to normal for a long time. And it's, it's strange when I go in like deep into Washington and you go into a gas station and, and people are still wearing a mask and, and that's calming down now. And I don't know, I, I, it's, it's switched. You're like, ah, you know, people are are loosening up and not judging others. But I, I, sometimes I find myself judging people wearing a mask now because it's it's like it's like a political statement at this point, uh, and I'm not trying to be mean about it, but it's like the the information is there. the The mask isn't going to stop you from getting coronavirus, and so it, it's like this political statement at this point. And I don't know how we got to that with a virus, and I, I don't mean to go down this thing, you know, uh, whatever. (laughs) But it's just bothering me. It's, it's been bothering me. It's so weird when I go to Washington and how different it is from Idaho. Like we fuck, nobody wears a mask over here. And for a long time, Washington is, is something else. And, and when you get, you know, over the past, it gets worse, right? You got, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. You know, we got, we got a state that's run. Um, we have a state that's run by a governor that is extremely, extremely liberal. He's, he's passing on information that, um, you know, I'd love to give him the benefit of the doubt that he thinks is, is what we need to hear. Uh, but he's, he's catering to three counties. The, the other 36 counties in this state could give a rat's ass. Yeah, they're suffering. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited about opening this thing back up. Um, you know, in a post-COVID world, I know a couple of years ago, I've never seen so many hunters in my whole life in an area that I hunted because everybody was shut down, right? Um, yeah. I was excited about it getting back to a normal world just so everybody had to take normal vacations again so I can hunt in peace. 
Yeah, so, <laughs> that, that, because it's stressful, like, man. Crazy. Like, fuck, like Inslee, man. Hey, I feel like he's been governor of Washington forever. When is his freaking yeah, thirty-five term years? Well, yeah, it's, like. it's been like it's been like forever. I don't even remember uh, Washington without Inslee in it, and so I don't know. I, I hope that changes because you're exactly right there, and it's the same thing. You know, if we if we wanted to dive into this whole bear hunt thing that that has happened it's it's like one two maybe three counties controlling the entire state all based in this nonsensical freaking emotional tirade of anti-hunting and animal activists that all are bred out of this liberalism and and i just don't understand it i don't understand how people can think that their opinions and voices need to outweigh everybody else's because they feel a certain way it drives me freaking insane. Yeah, I think the simplest way to put what you're talking about with our spring bear season that got kiboshed by yeah, yeah. Uh, some commissioners that that didn't even, uh, at least one of them, didn't even realize we had a spring turkey season. We don't even um, need to say... That's a disaster, we right? Don't, yeah, we but, don't even need to say Lorna Smith's name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in, in, I think the hypocrisy of the entire thing is, and it's, it's as simple as this. One, we're making a lot of other states a lot of money because there's going to be a mass exodus of Washington state hunters mm-hmm. that are coming to Idaho, Montana, uh, Colorado, wherever to go hunt spring bear because we just – most of the time, spring bear hunters, yes, they are looking to kill a bear or to harvest a bear. You, but dude, they're you, also you, looking for that kill, bridge we say kill. Yeah, we say kill on yeah, this yeah. show. I don't, so, I don't, you can say either kill. one. I, yeah. don't, I don't really care. Yeah. We're looking to kill a bear. Flat out. But we're also looking for more so that bridge gap between now and elk season. Mm -hmm. We're looking for an opportunity to just get in camp and just go be with people of like mind, like we talked about earlier, and our buddies and go hunting for something that we desire. Yeah. And the hypocrisy of this thing is in one breath, they say, trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. We're going to throw on masks. We're going to shut your asses down. Yeah. Hell, I can't even get a piece of chicken at the Marco Polo in Seattle, which is the best chicken I've ever had in my life, without presenting a card. But in the other breath, we don't trust the science of the biologists that we, pray, that we pay every single day to do their job to come up with a season for a, 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 uh, a spring bear season. It's so, so hypocritical. You, you don't get both, right? You don't get both. You get to trust the science or you don't get to trust the science. Yep. You yep. can't have both. It's it, at some point. It's it's just complete hypocrisy, complete liberalism, and it needs to stop it's immediately. It's it, it, the the hypocrisy is like magnified in in Washington too because there's such a, a disparity between Western Washington versus Eastern Washington. Just culturally, you feel it when you're there, you know. And yeah. and so th- you're exactly right to to sit there and talk about how we need to trust the science on COVID-19, but the science is coming from places that are unscientifically based, right? And so they, they get all worked up about wearing a freaking mask and getting these 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 bullshit vaccinations. And, and then they turn around in the second breath and say that they're going to ignore the science on one of the most robust bear black bear populations in the lower 48. I'm sorry, Washington is a fantastically robust bear population and it, there there yeah, should be absolutely absolutely loaded. There there should be a great spring it shouldn't even be a draw in the state of Washington for a spring bear tag. I'm getting worked up. It should it it it, it should be like an over the counter tag. 
there's that many bears in the state of Washington. And there's so much great bear habitat and bear country. And, and then to sit there and act like these human to bear encounters are some, you know, big surprise. Because if you look at, you know, this is what they don't understand. If, if you look at the state of Idaho versus, let, let's take California, for example. We won't even talk Washington because I, I really don't know a lot of statistical data on that. But, but if you take Idaho and you compare it to California... Oh, thanks, honey. Appreciate it. My wife brought me another drink. Wow. Um, that's awesome, right? Yeah, that is incredible. Good job. And it works out. Anyway, um, that's that's how you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, what, whatever. Uh, rolling right. Rolling right. <laughs> we're, we're rolling dirty, something. But uh, if you take the statistical data between Idaho and the state of California and, and you look at, or uh, another good one is New Jersey, where they have this incredible bear population. And and you look at what happens with the reaction of the bear population when there is a spring bear and a fall bear and, a, and just a, I keep using the term robust, but a robust hunting season, right? The, the breakdown of animal to human encounters is greatly diminished in the state of Idaho. Like, we don't have bears roam, roam, coming into town, knocking over garbage cans, stealing stuff off the back decks. They avoid humans on a much greater scale than they do in states that don't allow spring bear hunts. Spe- and, and I say specific spring bear hunts is because, um, and it, this is something I, re- I read years ago. I don't know how true it is, but, you know, they come out of hibernation or hibernation there. They're hungry. They're a little more desperate in the spring. Uh, gets the same way in late fall when they're about to go into hibernation. Um, and so they, they kind of get themselves into trouble. But New Jersey... It was like a uh, there was this there was a study done when there was no bear season there was like 400 some odd bear encounter bear to human encounters and then they had one single bear season and the bear to human encounters was reduced by more than half because the bears learned that humans were a danger right and so they stayed away and and the these animal rights activists are like oh no but it's because they killed all the bears no they didn't they took like not even 8% of the freaking population it's because they got leery of humans because that's what the benefit to to human or i'm sorry uh, bear seasons are it's the same thing like per capita we have a lot fewer uh, grizzly bears in the lower 48 than we do in the state of Alaska but per capita we have far fewer um, grizzly bear attacks in the state of Alaska than we do in the lower 48 because they're they're on the endangered species, species list here, wrongfully so, uh, because they've they've surpassed all the objectives years ago. Um, but they're they're going to be one of these you know so-called iconic species that these groups advocate for and keep them you know keep this process into the in the uh, um, the court systems and and keep these bears on the endangered species list. Meanwhile, people are getting killed. Like somebody just got killed in Montana. Or uh, maybe it was Wyoming. Uh, somebody. No, just, no, no. It was Montana. It was, was Montana. It, was it Montana? Hunt. Yeah, the yeah, shed hunt. hunting out of Livingston. Yeah. There. You don't hear that coming out of Alaska. You know why? People hunt brown bears and, and grizzlies in Alaska. So so the these animals have a natural fear for humans to avoid them. And so it's just... It, that I can go on and on and on about that. But it blows my mind. It blows my mind the level of hypocrisy and absolute sheer dumb fuckery that comes out of these people in Western Washington. It drives me nuts, man. Like I'm gonna have a heart attack. 
you, you, you have to call me <laughs> well, well, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and, and I will tell you, in the fall season, the most I've ever encountered during an elk season with a bow is 14, 14 bears in twelve days. And we do have a lot of bears. We have a lot. That's of a ton of bears, dude. It's it's a ridiculous amount of bears. And um, you know, the spring season, the the six hundred tags or whatever it is ish tags that that are that are granted via a draw is is not even a fraction. And the scientists and the biologists and all everybody that does a job at WDFW that's not on the commission does a wonderful job. They mm-hmm. they are working hard. They have they have provided the science and the data that everybody needs to make an educated decision. And this is where it gets crazy. Not an emotional decision, but an educated decision. Exactly. And if, and if they were making an educated decision, this wouldn't even be a conversation on so many of these uh, uh, podcasts. And uh, it's just it's just ridiculous. We all know it's ridiculous. And, and the problem, the biggest problem is, is it's, gosh, you know, how do we get it back at this point? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's more of a... If it's gone, is it gone forever? And what are the steps that we need to take as as a hunting community to get these opportunities back? Um, and, and more so than an opportunity, how do we get um, the ability, not the opportunity, but the ability to, to manage the predation of our elk calves and our deer fawn populations from being devoured by predators? What is your opinion on, because I have a strong opinion on this, and I don't know if my opinion is right or wrong, but um, you guys do, in the state of Washington, you guys do have a few really good commissioners, uh, like Jim Anderson, you know, these guys are are real outdoorsmen, Um, they're they're people that understand the science and they take a very pragmatic approach, they're great, they're great folks, and then you have the other side, Um, and, and I guess like... From from what I, I don't know how to approach that without sounding like some dumb hillbilly, but I feel like <laughs> since I am just a dumb hillbilly, I don't I don't really care. I feel like a, a fish and game or a fish and wildlife, whatever you want to call it, commissioner, should be an active hunting license holder in order to be a commissioner, because that's what they're there to manage. So if you get some animal rights activist, some loony freaking left wing, you know, zoologist or something on on a on a fish and wildlife commission, I for some reason that just strikes me as odd and counterintuitive. Am I am I off base with that? No, I you know, to be honest, I, I wish I knew more of of what the application process was to become a commissioner. Like who First of all, well, I don't, I don't even know if there job. is. I don't even know if there is an application. It's, it's like so, Governor so, Inslee's like, oh, there's an animal rights activist. Let's put him on the exactly. commission. You know? Yeah. So, so how are you appointed? What What is the process from an interview? I know to get a job, to come to work for the company that I work for, which is an amazing company, there's a process. You can, and, and like several companies, there, are, there is a process mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. that job. Um, one of those processes is the interview. So – Mr. Inslee, if you are seriously appointing these people, can you please provide the interview transcript to that person? Yeah. I bet there isn't one. Yeah. So there has to there has to be some type of a process. I mean, we're watching it all live in the world today as as the the next Supreme Court nominee goes through her process. Yeah. Like it or don't like it, like her or don't like her, there's a process. And there's a process for a reason. And before any decisions are made at any high level of government, 
whether it be judicial or or fish and wildlife, there should be a process to achieve that seat. Yeah. It shouldn't be just granted. And so that is one of those things that maybe in time or, or maybe there's already a process in place that that guys like me don't know about that needs to be educated further. But I don't think so. I don't I, I, I don't. think it's an appointed I think it's an appointed position. And I think it's appointed by the person in charge who really doesn't give a rat's ass about whether or not we hunt or fish. Yeah. Do you, That's what do I you think. think let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear. Scientifically tested camo patterns. Complete layering systems. And in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid-season. And then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? You won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to ScreeGear.com and at checkout, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the AMP lineup. For predator calls like the three-pack POR123 or the fawn in distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website, and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time if you're listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for $20 off. It's normally 89 bucks, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. Hoffman Boots, let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet. Never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, particularly 
I like the Hoffman Explorer and the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers and the Summit Boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for you know memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, and the Film Through Scope System, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. Do you think Governor Inslee sat down at his desk and he's like, boy, man, you know, let's contemplate the spring bear season. Like, he doesn't give a shit. He's, no, he he's don't too, He's a bureaucratic left-wing nut job that sits up there and thinks of new stipulations to put on the citizens to, to prevent the spread of COVID-19 that actually are counterintuitive <laughs> to the actual spread of COVID-19. He, he's just exactly. one of those. Like, I'm here. I'm going to control everybody's life. Like, fuck you, dude. Get out of here. I it, Like... Here's the thing, Washington commissioners, there there is a number of Washington Fish and Wildlife commissioners that I would question has even been through hunter safety. Why are they on the commission? Good point. Why are they on yeah. the commission? Have they even been through hunter safety? Have they even ever bought a fishing license? I I'm sorry, man. I just really I'm getting super bent out of shape about this whole deal. And and uh, kind of going off the rails and using foul language. I, I don't mean to do that. I just fuck. It pisses me off, dude. <laughs> like I, I just I can't imagine being a citizen in Washington and and having to go through this. And I, I like my heart is 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 aching for you guys. And well, I mean, and try living over here on the coast where your only opportunity is to drive like seven and a half hours dude, to go shoot yeah. a damn bear, right? Dude. So. Uh, we're all pissed about it. We're all extremely pissed about it. Um, and I think this, this could be a wake up call for all of us yeah. To, yeah. to become, because none of us have time to, to become activists, right? We don't, we, we don't want to be that person. Most jobs. of us don't want to yeah. be that person. Yeah. yeah. We, have we go to work, jobs. man. Yep. Yep. We're trying to provide. And, and, and honestly, most of the people that, that partake in what you and I do are people who, fucking hate drama we're not mm-hmm. drama guys but unfortunately we are gonna have to get in the weeds a little bit if we're gonna get some of this stuff done and get some of this stuff back and and it sucks uh but 
You know, there was a lot of stuff that sucked when it came to building this country and building the state and getting things to where they were. And we're going to have to dig in and get back. And that's all there is to it. Man, that's a great point. There is a movie, um, and I'm going to slaughter the name. Actually, I'm not even going to. Well, the name of the movie might be Geronimo. Great movie. What's that? That's a great movie. Is that is that the one where what is it like Matt Damon or something's in it, or or the dude yes. that looks like him? Um, they're the they're in the uh, I can't remember the sixth or the ninth cavalry, and and it's during the Geronimo campaigns while we're settling the American West, and Geronimo is sent to um, an Indian reservation, and where he determines that he is not a good farmer and he doesn't want to be on the reservation anymore, and some something goes goes down. I'm just explaining for people that haven't ever seen the movie, something happens, and uh, he goes he goes awry with a band of natives. Uh, that don't want to be controlled by the U.S. government because they feel like the U.S. government breached their agreement and their contract with, with the tribe. And so rightfully so, they left. And um, they send the cavalry out, and they're, they're trying to you know, get them back to go, go back to the reservation kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's an important and an interesting piece of Americana and, and historical reference in terms of what we're talking about and what you just kind of related was in the movie – um, what in the heck is the name of that captain's name? I'm totally, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank, uh, cause I'm such a history buff, man. I, I really like this stuff, but you mean Damon's character? No, he's the Lieutenant and he reports to the dude with the dark hair. He's got like curly dark hair and he gives Geronimo, uh, a pair of his binos that he has. And Geronimo gives him like a knife or something in exchange. They kind of develop this relationship. And so he felt, not Matt, Matt Damon guy, the, the, his, his boss, he felt that he was the only one that could sit down and talk with Geronimo and come up with like a pragmatic solution. He's climbing up these cliffs to try to find you know, where, where Geronimo's camped out. And he tells Matt Damon to go back and report the situation or whatever, um, blah, blah, blah. And he said, listen, this, we're trying to build a country here. This isn't easy work. And it speaks to some of the predicaments that we're in now. Um, this 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 conversation, dude, took a total different turn than I thought it was going to. But um, we'll circle <laughs> back to something <laughs> here in a minute. But it, it kind of it, it portrays, you know, some of the mentality that we have now. That that this is we're not trying to build a country. We're trying to defend a country. Does that make sense? We we are in a scenario where our very the, the very fabric of our, our foundational freedoms are at risk because of people that have a very narrow view and a bigoted view of what freedom is. And it's not based on your opinion or their opinion or my opinion. It is based on that is what we are. We are, we are a free people. And so when you have a robust bear population in the state of Washington – a spring bear season is a fantastic, scientifically proven way to manage that bear population so that it stays a robust population. And instead, now that bear season is gone because people feel like a bear is such an iconic species it shouldn't be hunted in the spring because, you know, they're groggy coming out of hibernation, which isn't true. We're, we're just I, at, a, I, we're at a crossroads. Sorry, man. Go ahead. No, I mean you're you're 100 correct. It's it's 
it's a ridiculous opinion uh, based off people who don't understand what they're making an opinion on. They're forming mm-hmm. an opinion based off data. Well, they can't even be using the science. They can't be using the data that's put in front of them. It's an emotional opinion. And totally, um, it's, it's all emotion. And you get the Seattle, the King County, the Pierce County, the Snohomish County crowd, which is a significant um, amount of Washington State in regards to a body but not yeah. the state, right? Yeah. You can drive it all with no traffic in less than an hour. But, yep. you know, it, 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 but it's, it's where the most people are. It's where the density is. And they're making decisions based off emotion and their opinion towards killing or harvesting animals and, and what the science says we should be doing to preserve um, elk, deer. And, that, and that's just the beginning of it, right? It's, it's more than elk and deer. But elk and deer is what you and I talk about the most because we want our opportunities as well. So, yeah, yeah, for um, sure. It's, it's, um, it's a damn shame, uh, and it's because we're all too busy to fight it. But if we don't start fighting it soon, man, we uh, and most of us in Washington State and Oregon have been talking about this for years. You know, we lost our ability to hunt with hounds mm, years ago. I know, Gosh, I know. so many what years ago. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, if you've never had the ability to hunt behind hounds, you don't appreciate the work the dogs put in, um, and, and, and the opportunity that it provides for you to harvest, um, uh, a, a cat or, a or a bear. And so, yeah. um, now when you're out hunting, it, you know, gosh, dang, we see cats. I, I harvested a cat last year with my rifle and, and, uh, with my son's rifle. So I didn't even have a rifle with me. I'm just trying to get him a deer, right? There's that many cats. Like you, you, you like confront you them and one. see them. You happen upon them. And that is not okay. No, you it's should not, not be man. happening upon a cat. Listen, man, and I, we, you happen upon several bears now, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, again, I didn't start hunting elk till I was 30. I had never seen a bear in my life until I was 35 years old. Now I see five to 20 a year. That's just the way it is. It's nuts. It's because the population has exploded. So. And, and, and to your point, you know, when, when I'm out and about, um, I rarely see mountain lions. I, I rarely see a cat. I saw l- this last elk season, I'm driving up to my, uh, this one area I like to hunt. And I, there was a bobcat in the road that I, I saw for like two seconds. Uh, th- few nights later, I come out and there was a bear in the road. Um, again, this is a dirt road back country, you know, way back in, in some of the sticks that, uh, kind of are by my place. Uh, but mountain lions are, are heavily hunted here and they're, they're, uh, they're hunted with hounds. Um, they're trapped, they're, they're hunted. So we have a pretty healthy population of mountain lion here, but, but we never see them and they don't mess with us. They, they don't come around. And that is because of the season that we have. We have a great, healthy, robust population, but they're not messing with us. We don't see them all over the place. They're not. They're not moving into town, uh, stealing, you know, the neighbor Betty's poodle. Um, none of that stuff is happening. And so I, I kind of use Idaho as like this, uh, I don't know, model of a lot of things. And 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 Idaho is far from perfect in the way that we have, uh, you know, our wildlife management system here. It's far from perfect, but man, is it, it's better than a lot of other places. And that is what speaks to that. And you guys are in this situation where you have these people that are so far disconnected and removed from nature that they don't understand what they're even supporting. They don't understand 
the wildlife management system of bears, of black bears and wolves and other predatory species and why hound hunting is a conservation tool that should be used heavily, not some mean, you know, they see one video of hounds chasing a bear up a tree and somebody shooting it out of the tree and, oh, man, that's just terrible. They think of their their dog or they think of their teddy bear, uh, these grown men that, you know, can't even change a tire that that act like they're so offended at, at seeing this kind of shit. But they, they're, they're so disconnected from reality on the ground of what nature is and what these predators do that this is the result and i don't know how to fix that i'm trying i'm racking my brain i'm trying to fix it i'm trying to figure out ways to help you know especially in these the these states that have uh the these large urban areas and and whatnot and so i mean i i i, I say this to everybody Corey. Uh, in in Washington that I get on the show, you know, if if there's an idea that you have that I can do, from my perspective, uh, you know, we're we're just a, this is just a little podcast. This is a it's a hunting show, but our goal and my goal personally is to make a positive impact for the future of hunting. And so if there's anything you can think of that's like, hey, you know, Jim might be willing to do this, hit me up, dude, because I'm 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 willing to do it. I will put in the work. And uh, I'm not shy about sharing my. Obviously, anybody will listen to the show. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not shy about my opinions, and and uh, I'm not shy about putting the work in. Because uh, this has to change. Because this will spread. This will spread to Idaho. This will spread to Montana. It'll spread to Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, all these western states where we don't want it to spread. And it's all happening. It, it all begins kind of on that that west coast. You know, Washington, all the way down to California. Um, it, it's, it's problematic, man. It's problematic. So I, I didn't mean to take the yeah, show in this direction. Doubt. I want to talk no, about. No, it's okay. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm at the same opinion. And, and, you know, I think what it boils down to is, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but we, we all think we're smarter than our parents. Our parents think they were smarter than their parents. And at yeah. the end of the day, we're all just dumber than hell yeah. compared to what they went through in life and how they have evolved. And, and it's, it's, it's a situation of people becoming, um, they, they just start forming a, an opinion and driving an agenda that doesn't follow uh, what the science is telling us. Yeah. And and so yeah. again, I think it boils down to that to to the beginning of this portion of our conversation was you you can't say trust the science on one end and then not trust the science on the other. It's so dumb. Uh, you either trust it or you don't trust it. Yeah. Uh, figure out who the hell you are get on message and let's just work together. Well, we can do this together and we don't have to agree on everything in life, but what we can agree upon is if you're going to say, this is the science and God damn it, you can't come out here without showing a picture of your goddamn vaccination card. To eat a piece of chicken. <laughs> Dude, do then, I need then, that? Cause I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm flying to Vancouver. Well, I'm flying to uh, Portland. In you'll the be morning. fine there. Okay. Yeah, I think you'd be fine. But I, I have think. to go to Vancouver. Don't, don't take my word. Like but it. if you're going to King County, you got to have a picture of your damn vaccination card. They even need a piece of chicken where, but the same science biologists that you employ are, are, are not good enough to say we need to have a spring season. Then you have a problem with your emotions. Yeah. You yeah, got to figure sure. out your emotions. That's a great so. way to put it, man. That's a great way to put it. Like, think about that. Science is, what is science? Science is the question. Science is the pursuit of information. Science is a pursuit of what is what, right? Like, yes, it's not, it's just like these, um, 
these hostile vegans that are running around out there and they're like, oh, you know, if you're vegan, it's more environmentally friendly because the car, the, the cows don't burp as much when you're a vegan or, or whatever they claim. <laughs> That's not what it yeah. is, but, but they, they, they claim this environmental, um, friendliness as, as, as a vegan, uh, because, because of reducing how many, uh, cattle are on the, on the landscape, which is, by the way, it, it's not true. That is not true. If you take the number of cattle that are on the landscape now and compare it to the amount of wild bison, elk, deer, and um, other ungulate species back in the day, they do the same thing. They birth, birth the methane, blah, blah, blah. That, that, that is not settled science. So to run around and act like you're some moral higher um, superior because you're a vegan uh, because you think you're saving the environment and you're not killing anything to eat a cucumber, you're wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. You, it's just not yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. Like you, well said. You don't understand how much freaking water it takes to water an avocado tree because I can water like <laughs> 10 cattle a day for an avocado tree, so fuck off. Like, that is not accurate. And so it's, it's, it's the same kind of concept. Like, why is one science that you think is settled okay, but another science that is settled is not okay? Like, I'm sorry, bear management, hunting and, and fishing and conservation through hunting and wildlife management through hunting, that is very well studied and scientifically proven stuff. This is not something born out of two years ago, a coronavirus, right? We've had decades of studying this. We've had decades of wildlife management. Um, well, is there, is there any other way that you can insult so, so in a in a PC world that we all live in, a very very PC world we all live in, um, we we are we watch our P's and Q's and we we tap dance around every every scenario yeah. socially. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any bigger way of insulting the people that work for you than saying your science is bullshit? We're gonna go this way. Yeah. No. Right. Really. I mean, there's no other way. I mean, it's 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 the worst HR scenario. I, I keep waiting for a biologist to go. You know what, guys? You guys are idiots. I'm suing you for not listening to me. Something. I mean, it's going to take something like that to make a change. Yeah. yeah it, it, it I'm really a scientist. Is. You're, you're uh, an editor at the newspaper. You're in Olympia, whatever it is. Right. Um, and you're on this commission because you're appointed, not because you're smart. And so therefore uh, I am smart. I am educated. I, I do do this for a living. You, you have nothing to do with this. So therefore you just insulted me. You're um, I'm taking your money. Something like that. We got to get back. You know what I wonder, man, and and this is this is such a layman uh, question or or you know ponderance, if you will. I I wonder if we were talking earlier. Well, I I think I I've got a big mouth, and it was probably me talking. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was me that brought it up. But um, I was talking about the grizzly bear issue. You know, we've got all these grizzlies, and we're getting all these attacks in the lower 48, specifically in uh, in Montana and Wyoming and a little bit in, in Idaho. But there was a couple of bow hunters not far from where I live uh, that were attacked by a grizzly a couple of years ago. They weren't killed. Um, but it, it, the point is, that is, that is clearly on the rise. Um, it, it, it's an issue. And so I wonder, I don't know shit about attorneys and and litigation in terms of what makes a case right and so i'm hoping you could shine some light on this because you i i feel like you're a lot smarter than i am 
but uh, not what, a chance. Dude, you make like badass targets and have a cool day job, and and you have like two other businesses. So come on. I walk around and talk on a microphone every once in a while and almost shoot my foot off with a shotgun. So, oh, once I got bit on the ass with by a scorpion. So that's that's what we're talking about comparison-wise. Um, I wonder if there is a way to have some kind of litigation process against animal rights activists that promote the... Uh, encouragement of grizzly bears staying on the endangered species list against, you know, people that have been attacked by grizzly bears because the science isn't backing up their case to keep them on the ESA. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, is yeah, there something there? Sense. Is there something there? Because, like, I, I feel like we could, we could, okay, a judge can look at this and be like, okay, in Alaska, this many people have bear encounters, grizzly bear encounters. In Wyoming and Montana, this many people have bear encounters. And in Wyoming and Alaska, they're a lot more fatal and they're a lot more frequent because there is no hunting season to give the bears the natural sense of fear against humans. So is there some kind of legality there? Like, like you know... I, I, think, I think it's very possible. I mean, uh, honestly, you? I mean, you, you think about... You, you, you think about um, Oh my gosh. I mean, it, for every person who's been attacked uh, by a grizzly or whatever, based off of, well, for example, if, if you are a school board member, or, or better yet, if you're a volunteer firefighter, mm, yeah, and you one. are in an ambulance, if you're a volunteer firefighter, um, I used to be one, and, and, and thanks to all of you that are, uh, and you are for in an sure. ambulance making a run with a patient on board, and you are speeding and you are speeding and you get into an accident and, and, and heaven forbid this happens to you. But if you get an accident to where someone else is injured, you are held civilly. Yes. That's yes. the law. So how right. can people that are making these laws or these commissions that are appointed that are making these laws from a grizzly bear perspective, uh, to, to your point, um, not be held civilly for the decisions they are making that go directly against science. Okay. It's the same business. And I think when people get involved, when, when people get viewed civilly or when they're making decisions that may or may not affect their household, their family, their way of life, they're going to view these things differently. And, And there probably needs to be some precedent or somebody that steps forth at some point that, that says, this is, this is BS, and and we're going to call it for what it is, and we're coming after your ass civilly. That's the only way it'll get changed. Corey, I knew I was going to like you. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I want to put it out there that like to all the listeners out there, if you or you know an attorney. Like I know a few, again, my stepmom is an attorney, um, but I still don't know jack shit about the law and, and how that works and how it would pertain to different court systems because, you know, you got your circuit courts and and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I got a buddy, Kale Becker, who I'm on the board of IWF with. He's an attorney. If any of you are, are listening that, um, have some inside knowledge to this or know somebody that is an attorney that might be able to answer this, I would love to 
have a discussion with you about it because I, I'm did I'm deadly serious about it. These these bears are deadly serious. I'm deadly serious about it. I'm sick of like I don't know if you remember. I I want to say it was two years ago. It might have been three. You know when you get when you get older, you get into your forties. Two three years doesn't mean anything anymore. But um, what there was there was a guide in the state of Wyoming. Um, and I know where they were because I've, I've, I've been in that area. There was a guide in the state of Wyoming. They got an elk down, his client got an elk, uh, and they came back to get a load or whatever. And he got killed by a grizzly bear. Um, and the client was able to escape as this attack was going on. And the guide, you know, he, he was a husband, he was a father of two or three kids and, I think of that stuff, and I've got grizzlies where I hunt elk. Not a, not a ton, not like the the Yellowstone, you know, ecosystem, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I think about that stuff, and and it it yeah. it bothers me. And it's because if it weren't for these animal rights activists, these bears would have a hunting season. Idaho had a hunting season where they had one person draw a tag, and before the season actually hit. The, uh, the, the circuit court, or, or uh, I could be wrong on that, whatever judge it was, some animal rights activist group got this judge to, to postpone it because, uh, and, and make sure that they were still back on the endangered species list. And, and you, you know how the whole scenario goes. You guys are going yeah. through it in the state of Washington with, with, uh, with wolves. Um, yeah. You have more than enough wolves to get, get them off the ESA in the state of Washington, but they're still on there. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're still... Uh, the state man, the state refuses to manage the wolves. So this is very problematic. But I think about that guy that was killed, and and he's a guide. Uh, this guy that was just recently killed by, you know, he's just out shed hunting. Fuck, he, he just wanted, to, he just wants to go out and shed hunt. Like, what's the big deal? And he runs into a grizzly bear that kills him. Think about that. And it's because these bears have no fear of humans. And, and because they, they're the they're the they're the apex. At this they're point. the apex. They have nothing yes, to correct. fear. Nothing fucks with a grizzly bear in the lower forty-eight, nothing. and so they have nothing to fear. So if you're in their range, blah blah blah, and and you could talk about how these species can can manage themselves throughout the landscape without human interference. That's a bullshit argument. We don't live in that world anymore. We just simply don't. We have too much human in interference. There's cities, towns, reservoirs, highways, interstates. There's airports. There's uh, all these things that that have created a situation where that is not a realistic thing. And so to sit there and say that grizzly bears are fine and can manage themselves when they're knocking each other out of their own ecosystem so they're moving into new ecosystems where we don't even know where they're at and they're killing people, there has got to be a case made against the anti-hunting uh, and animal right activist kind of groups that bring these cases to litigation that prevents us from getting them off the endangered species list. I think it's there. I, I just absolutely. I, I think it's there. This is bullshit. One hundred percent. My point is, is anybody listening that might know an attorney that could have something to say on this, please give me a call. Hit me up. Uh, the best way to hit me up, guys, is either email at jim at the western huntsman dot com. Or on Instagram, those DM things. If you send me one of those, um, the the Facebook ones, I get a bunch of spam on. 
So I, I'm, I'm not as responsive, but the, the Instagram DM, is that what it is, Corey? It's DM on Instagram. You you know what? I don't know. I'm learning this whole game, man. My my family makes fun of me all the time about my lack of social media presence. So dude, you're not um, on Insta. Is that what you're saying? Oh no, no. I'm on Insta for sure. Yep. And I get them all and I reply to them all, but I go to one spot and find them all. And my kids coach me the rest of the way. And I'm getting better every day, but I suck. And I'm going to keep getting better. (laughs) That's all I promise. We're peas in a pod, man. I'm going to find you on Instagram. (laughs) Dead nuts. All right. Come get it. Dead Nuts Outdoors. There you are. I found it. Yeah, Dead Nuts Outdoors. That's what I think. I, Instagram, gotcha. Dead Nuts Outdoors. I just, I just, I just gave you a follow. So everybody listening, I just got it. I love it. Dead Nuts Outdoors. Uh, get on right. there and 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 give Corey a follow. Um, I I know we got to wrap this up. We kind of. I really wanted to talk about what you were saying with the entrepreneurial spirit and and kind of having this side hustle thing. Um, where we're, you know, I, I want to, let's, let's touch on it just real quick, but we might have to do another episode, man. Cause I really yeah, like I'd having you it. on. I'd I, love it. I, I mean, this is the best cherry pop ever. So, um, <laughs> I feel like I, and I want to apologize, man. I feel like I kind of took it over there. I got so fired up about these anti hunters over in Washington that, uh, I kept yakking, but, um, you were talking about, you get to a certain age and, and you're asking yourself, um, and, and it kind of hit me too, because I think about this stuff a lot, man. Um, like, you know, where I'm at and where I wanted to be at this age, um, in, in turn, you know, whether it's financial security or, um, you, you know, some kind of business or something, something. And, um, I have insecurities about where I am and other ways I have like ego boosts as to where I'm at, where I am. And I think that just really is dependent on who you are and what your goals are personally. Um, what do you, what do you want to say to people that as, as you know, here you are, you've, you and your wife, you have these two other companies and then you started dead nuts outdoors with your boys. And I feel like, I feel like dead nuts outdoors. And maybe it's just because, um, I really like the hat, dude. I, I love this freaking hat. Even my wife, love it. my wife kind of implied that I am one handsome son of a bitch wearing this hat. And so it's, it's the right hat. And which hat is it? I, I can't remember which one I gave you, but it's, maybe I'll try it's it. It's like on the, the red see one. See if I can make my wife sit Yeah. The, the magic might happen, yeah. dude. You put on this the hat. Magic. Yeah. Give her a little smile. Put on the hat. Yeah. Um, little humbug. Yeah. Yeah. You, you never know. So, um, but I I feel like this Dead Nuts Outdoors the, these targets this this 2D uh, target kind of uh, concept that you have I love it and, and I I don't get super excited about everything out there right I mean uh, Thank you. you can you can imagine having you know a shit show of a podcast like I do. I get approached by a lot Whatever. of companies. They're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, you should. We will, we'll sponsor you, dude. I've never used your product. I don't know anything about it, and I don't do that. My sponsors are legit companies that I have used, and I've, I, I, I've proven the product, and I feel really good about this Dead Nuts thing. Um, it's a funny name too, Dead Nuts. Come on now, uh, Dead Nuts yeah, Outdoors. Um, it came from my uncle, though. My, my I was going to ask you, where did yeah, the name come from? my best friend, my best friend, my very best friend, my mentor in life was my uncle, uh, Greg Wendell, and and he died. He died. Uh, gosh dang, it seems it seems like forever ago, uh, but he died on March fifth of two thousand and sixteen. And 
and he was my best friend. And every time he'd take me out shooting, he taught me everything in the woods. Um, and and uh, when he took me out shooting, every time we'd shoot well uh, with a rifle, he wasn't a bow hunter. Uh, it was everything was dead nuts. Oh, you hit a dead nuts, kid. Good job. Oh, that's dead ah. nuts. And so, so, you know, when we started doing this, and I I started to do this with my kids, my my son who's now seventeen, when he was ten, uh, did a little Facebook thing because all he's ever wanted to be was a was a, a hunting show host, and and he did this little video, and he, and he talked about you know his his Scott release and his bow and all this stuff, and his and his his uh, stabilizer. He got a garage sale. It's hilarious, but <laughs> he um he hit it one time. He said, "That's dead nuts right there, folks." Because he watched so much. <laughs> when he's 10? Yeah, yeah, when he's 9 or 10 years old. It was awesome. And we started that. this little thing for him. And and it was it was all based off of my uncle, my best friend in the world. And 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 then when we came up with this stuff a couple of years ago, we're like, we're calling this Dead Nuts. And we created a logo, and we just branded it and just went with it. And and, and now every time we shoot, uh, we hit that one Dead Nuts. Or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pick your target and hit a Dead Nuts. And you know, smoke the dead nuts. And, and, and that's just been our thing. It's been our tagline. It's been, it's, it's, it's more of a family saying and a, and a, and something we enjoy to talk about because it brings back so many great memories that we've had um, as a family and, and with my uncle and so, uh, and my cousins. And so um, it's, it brings me great pride and great joy to, to spread that word as, as many people have used the word dead nuts I don't know if it has meaning to them like it has meaning to me. And this is this is absolutely about um, the meaning that I have in that name um, and, and yeah. seeing it do well. It's exciting. It's really exciting. I, I knew when I first saw the brand that there was a story behind the name um, because who hasn't said that, you know, but but I, I kind of had a hinkering that you had some kind of connection to that and and it sounds like you know the guy that mentored you and and your hero and and somebody you you look at as as a best friend um he would say that a lot and so it, it gives this positive connotation that that i knew there was a story there and i, I i'm i kind of feel shitty that i didn't ask about that when we first started recording because i i that was one of my main questions for you is like where'd you come up with a name because it's a cool name and it's a cool logo. The whole the whole brand, um, it's it's pretty cool, man. And I think you're really onto something. And uh, you know, for for me, I want to thank your uncle for for giving you that kind of inspiration to come up with this kind of brand because we we need more of this. Um, who doesn't yeah, think you. about that means a lot. who doesn't think about you know they they just hit that thing dead nuts. That, that, that's that's what. That's what we've been saying for a long time. My grandpa would say that, and my grandpa was born in like. I don't know. How old am I? He was probably born around this time George Washington was dying. No, I'm kidding. I'm not that old, but um, it, it's just it's it's a cool story, man. And they're great targets. Um, I can't wait to bust this thing out of the box and start shooting. Do you want to yeah. uh, kind of leave the audience with maybe like an because uh, you, you said that you were a little bit shy about you know promoting your brand and and self-promotion kind of thing but this is a company right and and this is yeah. you're in a pretty competitive market and i maybe you can do like an elevator pitch as to what people can expect when they buy this product 
uh, and put it to use. And and you know, let's let's give some incentive for for folks to check it out, and then tell us where they can check you out, um, which I will have all linked in the show notes, guys. But um, give us give us like the elevator pitch of why your targets, why you think they're educational, why why people will learn from using them. Uh, functionally, you know, going into this hunting season, here we are, 2022. Um, where where are you at with that? What what can you tell us yeah. about it? Yeah, thanks. So so basically, guys, if you want to get ready for 2022, and and you want to practice lifelike scenarios, um, we talk we talk about preparing for your your shot of a lifetime. Um, check us out. We're at deadnutsoutdoors.com. We're a family-run business uh, right here in Washington State. Everything's manufactured right here in Washington State, and we are absolutely never, ever freaking going overseas. It's not going to happen. We're going to build that stuff right here in this country where it should be all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you want to create scenarios or you want to look at scenarios that you will see, whether you are having someone call behind you or whether you're a solo hunter, just go check them out. Um, and, and, and we're open to all constructive uh i hate to use the word criticism but anything you have if you if you purchase one and you decide that you want to come and 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 add your opinion i'm all in Uh, like we want these to be great we the point of these targets was to educate people on where to hit um any species whether it be a deer a bear an antelope an elk um, oh shoot, we have decoys coming out. We have silhouette decoys. We'll be sharing some of those pictures here pretty quick oh, of the youth man. season. Hold, wait, wait, wait. So I need, those I, are all coming too. We're good. Corey, what, tell me about these decoys, man. What what, what kind of decoys are you uh, talking? We have currently, we, we, uh, we, we, we created some goose silhouettes last year that worked fantastic. We'll have some film out on those soon. Sweet. Last weekend, we, uh, we shot three toms over some turkey silhouettes that were incredible. Uh, some jakes and some hens it worked out they worked outstanding and so they're all in the prototype mode right now we'll probably bring them out now obviously turkey season's getting ready to launch yeah. so this year probably won't have them but next year um and if you're interested in anything like that just just let us know heck we'll probably send you one so gosh man i wish uh, i would have known that i i i realized uh with my two new uh, youth hunters here at the house my my girls um, that I don't know where the hell my turkey decoys are, and and I, they're they're uh, they're like buried in my storage somewhere. So I I actually out of desperation jumped on Amazon and bought a couple uh, like two days ago, and they're supposed to be here oh tomorrow. <laughs> Which well, you might I, you you might know a guy now who might ship you. Yeah, yeah. Quick well, to I'll, over, and so. I'll I'll pay for them. I'll I'll happily pay for them. <laughs> I just I I didn't realize, and so um, yeah, we're learning, man. We're learning as we go, and yeah. and. And again, you know, elk season, I mean, for Oregon, anybody that hunts in Oregon, we're only five months out. I get opening days in five months. So wow. we want you to, to, to work on things, to get better every day, to, to find the spot. And, and, and I listen to, to tons of podcasts, like I'm sure several people do. And, 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 and Jim is absolutely one of them. His shows are amazing. Um, in oh, addition to, I listen saying, to guys. That, oh, you're, yeah, you're, you're awesome, Jim. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. Your, your shows are fire. Well, and, I appreciate it, man. And, and I listen to Snyder and Staten and, 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 and Cody and, and, and a lot of the guys and Chris Rowe, and, uh, but Staten did something for me uh, here recently that, that really hit home with me. And what, what Dan did was he took a 50 a year old man or 49 year old man and said, you suck, go, go and exhaust your body and then shoot. <laughs> and he does that in all of his I love it. 
all of his elk shaped stuff. And, and, and what happened was I learned that when I exhaust my body and I shoot one of my targets, I hit him in the guts. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. you know, go, go use our targets and go get better Adhere them to anything you have as a backstop and exhaust your body and go get better. Mm-hmm. Find your spot, use these targets, use lifelike scenarios to make sure that when you get that opportunity in August and September, that you close the deal and, and celebrate um, what is obviously an amazing hunt um, and, and have a great time with it. And so any opinions you have, let us know, man, we're all ears. We want to get better every day. So um, for those of you that don't know what he's talking about, Dan Staten has the elk shape uh, platform, the elk shape, you know, there's a podcast, he does videos, he does all, he does, he's the one that does the elk shape camps all over the country. Uh, well, I say all, all over the country. I think it's mainly in the Western states, but they're freaking killer, life-changing kind of courses. Uh, and, and Dan is one of those dudes that will pick you up and motivate you. Like, you could be in, you, you know, you have those days, Corey, you and I, you know, you're older than I am, obviously, right? I'm just a young man compared to you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for mentioning I, that. I just had to point that out. I mean, yeah, thanks. On. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you're, you are. You're like you're like whatever. A few years yeah, old when, and older than me. Why don't you call me Grandpa? While you're at it, so so yeah. Grandpa, you're you're a little bit older than me, longer than the tooth. But no, I, I, all kidding aside, uh, Dan's one of those guys. We, we've had those days where we just get kind of down in the dumps. You know, we feel like life's kicking us in the teeth, and we're trying to pick ourselves up. Dan is one of those dudes that will do that, man. Like he will tell you to stop being a pussy and start doing this and doing that and doing, you know, I, I freaking love that dude. Um, and so, so to hear that what he's done for you, because you're an inspiring guy for me, um, is, is pretty cool. It's super cool. And I will tell you guys listening when, when we're talking about elk, elk season and bear season on the, on the dead nuts, just so we clarify Corey real quick, you can get the, the two different bull elk, targets one's like kind of a frontal quartering two i think yep. uh you have the broadside then you have a bear target and uh you have a do you have a turkey target we do yeah we have we have two different turkey targets we have a full strut frontal and a, a broadside turkey okay um we also have the quartering away mule deer and a broadside mule deer and a white top white tail broadside yeah Along yeah. with our new black bear, we've got we've got some prototypes out right now, um, but you can expect antelope here real soon. Um, and we take requests as well. We it seems we've been getting a lot of requests for African game, but you know, bear with us as we try to perfect. Um, I'm a firm believer in 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 know what you know, be good at what you're good at, and be the best. And so, let us get through this this uh, this initial phase of targets. Make sure they are exactly what we hope they would be for all of us. Yeah. And, uh, and then we will, we will progress from there. I don't think people shoot with bows a lot in Africa. I could be wrong about that, but, um, the, the clarification wise guys as when you're looking at these products and, and you're looking online to, to if, if you're interested in getting a did nuts outdoors target, uh, you do need a backstop for them. So like I got, we have this store here locally called North 40 and they have these, um, I don't know. They're like two foot by two foot square bow targets, archery targets, and they're super cheap. 
and and I put those up on a log behind my dead nuts target, um, and that when when I when I kind of calced it out, that's that's what's going to work for me. Um, it's, you do need a backstop. So whether you get hay or or what what yeah, other any block, use? any, any kind block of block or target. a bag or a bale, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, just you can adhere to them either either way. We have we have hanging tabs so that you can you can use them either over the top of the top of your block or or vertically. So the reason we, we, we hang the hanging tab a specific way so that you can either um, again hang them over the top or vertically so you can get the height right depending mm-hmm. on the animal or the species in which you're shooting. Guys, I'll give you a little piece of advice. If you if you take a round, a, a log round, um, and, and it, you know, you want it to be like a 14 or 16-inch minimum log round, and you drill a hole in the middle, and you take those logging nails that are like 8 inches long, and you turn them upside down so the flat head is going down into where the hole that you drilled and then you, you kind of beat that down, and then you put you put the target on like, or I'm sorry, not the target, the the block, like the the archery block uh, or hay bale or whatever. You stick it on there and just kind of run that nail down through it. It's going to hold it really well. Um, I've used that a ton. I've been doing that for years because um, again, Corey, I'm kind of a hillbilly, uh, and that's the kind of stuff I use. So. Um, Corey, thanks again. For, I, I know I kept you long, man. Uh, I appreciate it. We we went down some really cool rabbit holes. I think people will get a lot out of this. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I am going to have uh, all the Dead Nuts information in the show notes for you guys if you want to check it out. Um, but this was a great conversation, dude. We need, I'd love to get you back on in the future. Oh, man, I'd love to, man. It's It's been a great time, and I, I so appreciate you letting me come on and and uh, and talk about the product and, and talk about the world we're living in, man. Jim, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So no, thank I you for appreciate me come that. On. Now, when a real podcast calls you up and they're like, "Hey, you want to come on our show?" You can be like, "Oh, I'm a veteran. I've, I'm a veteran. Yeah. I've been on that dumb bastard Jim's website or uh, podcast, so I'm I'm down." <laughs> so <laughs> so again, thanks again for coming on, and uh, thanks, let's sir. let's keep in touch and let's do it again soon. I I'm, I'm serious about that. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain